Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord is God. It is he that made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. This is the word of God for the people of God. Well, we're in the midst of our series on your favorite Bible passages. Last week, we worked in the book of Jeremiah and talked about the context and culture out of which uh, those words were written and hopefully have a better understanding of what Jeremiah was saying and how God might have been speaking through him to all of us. This morning, we move into the book of Psalms. That's the book right in the middle of your Bibles. Often when children are learning how to find different books in the Bible, we say to them, open up right to the middle. You'll find the Psalms there. There's easy ways to find it because there's 150 different Psalms in this collection. We probably best think about it sort of like we think about our hymnal where there's lots of different hymns in there, some prayers, some prayers, prayers, praise, some laments. There's a variety of literary forms. We know also, like our hymnal, that this collection did not just start in this format, but many of these were written at different times, different places, different authors over a large span of time, all finally coming together in this collection we have. We call the book of Psalms these 150 different Psalms that we have in our own Bibles today. Lots of different literary forms Lots of different ways that these poems and hymns and prayers have helped people express their devotion to God or their, their difficulty with life and needing help from God. Psalm 100 functions as a hymn of praise or a call to worship. You can hear it in the very first verse. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Or if you drop down to verse 4, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. It's a hymn or a psalm of praise calling us to praise our God, to worship our God, to come together with others in God's place to worship. A favorite device in Hebrew poetry is called the couplet. You see it often in the Psalms and in other places in the Hebrew Scriptures where there'll be two lines that sound very much alike, sometimes exactly alike, sometimes the same thought but a few different words, other times the same thought but a little bit more amplification in the second line. There's one in verse 1 and 2 right there. Worship the Lord with gladness, come into His presence with singing. Or in verse 4, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name. Or even in verse 5, you can see it, the second half of that verse. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. It's a device of the Hebrew poets to help us remember, to give some rhythm to the way we pray and praise God. Remember, originally these come in oral forms to us written down 
later. So the couplet is often included within the psalm. It's a way for us also to remember and to praise God. The psalms sometimes are the ones we memorize and carry in our hearts, right? Can pick us up during the day or give us comfort or give us strength if we can remember them. Another thing to note is that in most Bibles, the word Lord is capitalized. Lord, when capitalized in your Bible, is translating capital letters Y-H-W-H. No vowel, just four consonants. Now, it may there may be vowels in yours, or it may say Lord. It may say Jehovah or Yahweh. Christians added the vowels later so that we could pronounce the name of God because Y-H-W-H is the reference for the Jews, for this God whom they've come into relationship with. But it seems like perhaps our Jewish ancestors left the vowels out on purpose because they're very sensitive to how likely humans are to assume a familiarity and an intimacy with God that they have not really built. And it seems like they thought it was important for us always to remember proper respect and reverence for God. And perhaps one of the ways they did that was never to pronounce the name of God, but to use, the con- use these consonants, Y-H-W-H. You remember the name Dr. Walter Brueggemann? If you were here a few years ago, he was one of our lecturers. He was a great speaker. I had read many of his books in seminary and over the years. He studies Hebrew scriptures. He's read this book more than any of us, I would venture to say. And when I heard that he was coming, I thought he will speak with great power and passion about his relationship with these scriptures and with the God they tell us about. So I was in another pastoral assignment, but I drove over one night to hear him speak. I sat right up there in the balcony, and he did not disappoint. He was wonderful. His insights into Scripture and the culture and the context of what is going on and what that means about who we are and who God is were were wonderful. But he also reminds us that when we add the vowels and begin to pronounce the name of God, that characteristically it is affrontive to Orthodox Jews. They take this reverence of God so very seriously they want us to remember who this God is and who we are and what the relationship is and they want us to always have that respect and that reverence that awe for who God is and what God has done Brueggemann also says that these psalms these 150 psalms we have have developed over time not all written at the same time he says you can distinguish the earlier ones from the later ones because the earlier ones really focus on specific acts that YHWH God has done for the Hebrew people but he says over time those specific acts which were many in their experience began to become attributes of God characteristics of God's action and then finally they come to describe God's very nature who God is Psalm 100 is one of those that comes later in the development it is a psalm declaring a God worthy of praise because of God's very character did you hear that in verse 5 
For the Lord, capitalize, Y-H-W-H, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever, and His faithfulness to all generations. I want us to take a closer look at these characteristics because they are also theological claims about the nature and identity of God. I think the psalmist in this one psalm, five verses, makes four distinct theological claims that we should notice. If you still have your Bibles open, look at verse 3, the very first phrase there. Know that the Lord is God. Know that YHWH is God. This is a theological claim on the way toward monotheism. One God. We know that almost all early religions are polytheistic. They talk about God's here and there, doing this and that. You can hear it in the Hebrew scriptures that the Hebrew people are struggling with other cultures that have other gods. But they really help us. These Hebrew theologians really help us when they move from this idea of multiple gods to the fact that there's one God and that we can know who that God is. Then they go on and tell us why this is important. In that second phrase of verse 3, it is he that made us and we are his. It's another couplet. It's also clearly asserting that YHWH is the creator of the world and this God created us. This God cares about us. This God who the Hebrew theologians are telling us about is the creator of all things. And then they go a step further in that last phrase of verse 3. We are his people. And the sheep of his pasture. This is a reference or an allusion to a basic claim within the Judeo-Christian tradition. That not only that God cares about us, but we are a covenant people. We're in a particular kind of relationship with God. This God is a God that makes covenants with humans. Now most of us, when we think about our relationship with God, first off think about it in individual terms but not so much for the Jewish people, not so much for the psalmist. They think, first off, in plural terms. The covenant is with the people of Israel. Oh, he is their God, but he's the God of the whole group. The individual's included in that, but they have a much greater mentality of the larger community that God is shaping them into a people, not just individuals, but they're whole community is being shaped you can see this idea of covenants with larger groups if you think about different major stories in the scriptures you remember the story of noah god makes a covenant with noah but not just for noah's sake the story tells us for the sake of the whole world dr tanksley prayed about the double rainbow he saw remember that story it's a sign genesis says that God will never again destroy the whole earth, all the people. God's going to do good on our behalf. But not just for Noah or Noah and his family, but for all the people of the earth. Or you think about the call to Moses. God calls Moses. Dramatic story. But it's not just for the good of Moses, right? He's got a specific assignment. He wants Moses to go 
and tell the Pharaoh, let my people go. The call is on behalf of the whole group to a much larger entity, a much larger enterprise that the Jews think about when they think about God and covenants. But even think about Jesus on the last night he's with his disciples when he institutes the Lord's Supper and he talks about a new covenant of his blood. And we take it very personally as Christians, but it's in the context of the body of Christ, of all the followers of Christ. Even the new covenant, as personally as some of us take it and incorporate it into our living, it's for the body of Christ. It's for all the followers. These covenants God makes help shape the way we're to live. Oh, God makes commitments to us, makes promises to us, but then also calls us with certain commands and directives that we should follow, which help us live in harmony with God and each other. YHWH bids us to live in obedience and alignment with these directives or commands so that we might find life through this divine human covenantal relationship. Of course, the Ten Commandments are one of the shaping documents, revelations of God, if you will, in terms of how the people are supposed to live. You remember how many of those have to do with how you relate to God? You can find it in Exodus chapter 20. It says this, Then God spoke all these words, I am the Lord, capitalized, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol, whether in the form of anything that is in heaven above or that is on the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. It goes on to talk about what the relationship should be. Not taking the Lord's name in vain, keeping the Sabbath holy, honoring father and mother. It goes into a list of ethical demands about how we're to live in community, in covenant with each other so that we might find the life that God intends for those of us he has created, for all the people of the earth. So the three great theological claims, the Lord is the one true God, the Lord is creator, the Lord makes covenants with people. But there's a fourth one here I want us to look at before we finish. We find it in verse 5. For the Lord is good, His steadfast love endures forever, and His faithfulness to all generations. It is a theological claim that God's nature is primarily good and loving. You can trace this throughout Scripture to find all these different stories about how God loves the creation and how God loves people. In the Hebrew Scriptures, most often described as steadfast love or loving kindness. But you see it in the biblical story of Noah that I mentioned or the call of Abraham or Moses. It's God wanting to do good through these people who respond to His call, who make a commitment to live in this relationship. But there's also the new covenant through Jesus Christ. 
the new covenant is important for us to think about in this greater context. It talks about the way this love is to be lived out. And through Christ, we find it's to be lived out through self-denial, self-sacrifice. It's a self-giving way of love. We see it embodied in Christ as our Lord, as Jesus Christ, who gives himself for many, he says, for the forgiveness of sins, bids us to remember his way. The early Christians often referred to as the way. And the way is the way of self-denial and self-sacrifice and self-giving love where we recognize there's something bigger than the individual that God might be working in our lives, but not just for our lives, but for the larger entity, the larger community, the family of the covenant for all the people of the world. God loves us all. Sometimes Christian groups get so focused on the new covenant that they forget passages like God so loved the world that he sent his only son. For the whole world God has care and concern and love. That's why the psalmist can exclaim in this psalm, make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. He's exclaiming the experience he's had. We sometimes use these psalms at camp, particularly in the summer, when we go with children or youth to Camp Egan, trying to introduce them to different ways to use the Scriptures devotionally, how they can have a personal relationship with Scripture that will nurture their soul and their discipleship. And often what we'll do, since we're in a camp setting, is line the psalm. It's sort of a call and response where the leader says a line and then, they say a line all the way through. I thought that might be a good way for us to engage in the psalm this morning. But we probably should stand to do that. So would you stand and then just repeat after me? Make a joyful noise to the Lord. All the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord is God. It is he that made us. And we are his. We are his people. And the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. And his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his, name. Bless his name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. Amen. Amen. Thanks.